All right. Thank you, Sam. Um, last week, Dirk got to preach on the high priest office of Jesus. Today, I get to preach on the gut punch where he calls his church members a bunch of infants that are on uh, milk, nursing babies. So uh, Church Growth 101, call them all milk-fed infants and see if the thing grows. So um, this is how we roll today. Um, so I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to really fill this time with his spirit and that we would uh, move from becoming dull of hearing to sharp hearing of God and his voice. So let me pray. Father, open our ears this morning to your voice. It's clear, Lord, that you want to lead believers to grow, to mature. And Lord, um, it seems that you do this all the time, that you're always leading, that you're always speaking, you're always guiding. We get that from your word, but we also get it from our experience that there's always things that we can grow in. And so I'm asking God this morning that as we're here, that you would sharpen our hearing so that we might uh, really understand on a more deep level how it is that you want us to grow. Where do you want us to mature? Where do you want us to be more strong in our lives? So I pray, Lord, that you would send your spirit right now to make clear those things. Open our ears and then speak to us, Lord. You're welcome here. You're welcome here to do that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, uh, as we're reading this, like, the author starts out this passage seemingly frustrated. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. It's a gut punch. It's a, it's a real check for the author of Hebrews to say this. Like, you can also think about Jesus saying this. Like, you have become dull of hearing. You're not growing the way that you should be. And you can sense his, his frustration. And I'd like to illustrate this even from another place in the Bible. There's another parallel passage uh, in Romans 12. Romans 12, 2 says this, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So when we become believers, a transformation should happen. Right? We, we become a believer, we start to put our faith and our hope into Jesus, but there should also be growth. The healthy things grow, they transform, they keep growing. So when we become believers, a transformation should be happening. We should be maturing in a supernatural way over time. Sharp hearing, as opposed to dull hearing, sharp hearing manifests itself in maturity, in growth. We're a new creation, the old us is gone, we become a different person again and again and again. The Bible says that we are transformed from one degree of glory to another, and this comes from God and his grace and his spirit. And I hope that you see that when you become a believer, you're not just like a tweaked version of your old self, but that you're a new creation, that it's growing and transforming. So, dull of hearing. That is a thing, right? We, we are supposed to grow, we're supposed to be transformed, but we have dullness of hearing, the author says. You become dull 
of hearing. So why do we rise up to defend our righteousness, right, when we're in arguments? Why do we look at porn so much? Why do we give in to a low-level uh, uh, state of, like, panic and anxiety and fear all the time? When do we really pray about things? When do we really go to God and say, man, I need for this to change. I need help. When do we really look at God's word the way that the author talked about it in Hebrews 4, 12, and 13, that it's dividing our soul and our spirit, and it's, it's getting to the point. It's judging our motivations. And when do we celebrate that? When have we thought through and asked God, what is your good and perfect and pleasing will? Like, I've got... I don't know, a few more years here on this earth. What is your heart breaking about, God? What is the thing that you want to see done through me before I leave this place? When do we ask God, how do you want us to live in light of your sovereignty? The author of Hebrews is saying the same thing. You ought to be transformed, he says. You ought to be discerning what the will of God is, he says. You ought to be distinguishing good from evil. You ought to be eating solid food. You ought to be teaching this stuff by now, but you're not. He relates it to this dullness of hearing. It's a, quite an indictment, actually. The phrasing here, I think, is reminiscent of Jesus' words throughout the Gospels, when he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Like all of us have physical ears, but he's not talking about that. He's talking about, are, are we receiving God's word? Are we hearing it? Are we actually doing it? Are we taking careful heed of God's word? The author of Hebrews is saying, we hear, but we don't understand, and we don't respond, and we hear, but we don't agree with him because he wants to take us to a next level of maturity we hear, but we don't obey. When uh, Lori and I were early on in our marriage, we lived in Washington State, and we lived on the third floor of a condo that we were renting, and we had some neighbors that moved in to the second floor, and they were chain smokers. Now, if you're here and you're a, a chain smoker, I'm, I'm, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that when they would smoke, it would fill Pearl's room, my oldest daughter, with haze. Like, it was like walking into a, a casino in 1978, back when people could smoke indoors. And several times I would go in to, to pick her up, wake her up from her nap, and you could literally see a fog of smoke from the ceiling down. It was awful. So we brought it up to our neighbors and asked them about that. And they apologized and they said, oh yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. You don't want to have a bunch of smoke in your baby's room. And Lori and I, as we were talking about it, we were like, can you just smoke down at this one end of your condo and just not at this end? Like, we can't ask you to not smoke, but we're just saying, if you could smoke down on that end, it would be fine. Like, and they were like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And they heard, right? So the next night or two nights later or something like that, I go in and it smells like a foundry outside of Gary, Indiana. Again, there's smoke all in her room, secondhand smoke. So we talked with the neighbors again, and it was really interesting. So the parents smoked, but when they found out it was the daughter who was smoking eight feet below our daughter's room, they, it was like a, an episode of like Jerry Springer. They just started yelling at each other. Like all of a sudden, it came out that their daughter was smoking, and they weren't happy with that, and then she was smoking outside of my daughter's room. I mean, it was just like, what? Can you guys just smoke down at that end? Like this is... <laughs> 
really not that hard. And they were like, yeah, 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 this is great. You know, they erupted into this fight and we were like counseling them and all of that. The thing of it is, until the day that we left, we had brought it up several times. Can you just smoke at that end? And they didn't. They were dull of hearing, right? They, they agreed. They were like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But they didn't do anything about it. Like they still smoked at the other end with the smoke coming into my baby's room. And they never changed. This church in Jerusalem is filled with Hebrew believers in Jesus, some of them possibly believers for a really long time. And they were hearing the oracles of God and they were hearing pressing on to, toward maturity, but they weren't doing it. They were dull of hearing. Yeah, Jesus makes sense. He's awesome. He's God's son. God spoke to us through the prophets before. Now he's speaking us, to us through his son. Yeah, yeah, we agree, but they're not growing in him. They're not doing anything because nothing's changing. They're dull of hearing. I just want to keep going over the elementary things of Jesus. I don't want to take responsibility for someone else and make disciples and teach. I don't want to make disciples and help them to understand the oracles of God. This is what was going on in this church. Can you imagine Jesus saying to them, you're dull of hearing. You ought to be teaching these things. You ought to be eating solid food. You ought to be more mature. Now, if you're here today and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's for someone else. I'm mature. This, this isn't for me. This is, Jesus is not talking to me. You're making Jesus' point for him. You might be dull of hearing, right? The author introduced the great high priesthood of Jesus in the, the previous passages and how he sympathizes with our every weakness and that when we walk with him, we're walking with somebody who will speak to us and guide us and teach us and have great sympathy for us and be able to help us in our time of need. His, he's perfect. Like he, he was a high priest in the order of Aaron, which means that it was perfect. His, his role in his office had perfection. And he also said, you're, you're a, a priest in the order of Melchizedek. That means his priesthood went on forever. And the author wants to talk about this and how it's going to affect their lives. And they're so worried about like, well, I don't even know if I'm a believer. We'll talk about like where they were stuck at. But the author would love to dive into this, but he can't because they're dull of hearing. Are you hearing this today? Is this something where you're like, huh, this might be me. I could be in this dull of hearing category. If you're saying this is me, it might be possible that a supernatural opening of your ears is happening. Your hearing is becoming sharper. Because this goes against your very core. When I read these words, I'm like, oh gosh, that's hard to think. I should be in a different place. I ought to be in a different place than where I'm at, even here this morning. And yet sharp hearing is obvious because it leads to maturity. It leads to us wanting to grow. So let's just walk through this a little bit more slowly. About this, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time, you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. Ow. Oh. Oof. 
was clear that there were people in this church filled with Jewish believers that were children in the faith, like have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Now think of the hairiest, largest dude here in Redeemer Church, okay? I've got a name in my mind. I'm not going to share what it is, but think of that person, okay? Now think of him in a diaper with a little bow around his head with a, a milk bottle in his mouth and just milk and drool just running down on his bare stomach, hairy, bare stomach, right? This is either really funny or it's really cringy or it's both, but this is the way that the author of Hebrews is starting to talk about these believers who've been walking for a long time. Scarcely entered into the, the centrality and the most important part of this epistle about Jesus being the high priest. And he's like, we got to stop. we got to slow down because you guys are dull of hearing. He's saying, listen to Jesus. Listen to him. So first of all, these are not new believers. Uh, according to Acts and according to uh, even the book of Hebrews talks about how they had been um, going through a lot of persecution in this church. So they had been converted long enough to be of help of others. And you might ask yourself, well, how long is long enough to help someone else? And the way I see it is if you've been a Christian for 10 minutes, find somebody who's been a Christian for five minutes and put into their life, right? This is what he's saying. Like, you you take what you know of Jesus and you pass it on. And instead of being useful, they were useless, needing to be grounded again in the ABCs of the truth again and again and again. And third, they were so far from having the capacity to masticate strong food that their condition called for that which was suited only for stunted babyhood, right? So what is sharp hearing? What is it? We've seen dull hearing, but what is sharp hearing. There's a few things that I want to talk about. First of all, hearing God's word and receiving it personally for our lives, our lives as if God is training you up, right? Hearing God's word so distinctly and so uh, helpful in our lives that we, it's as if God is training us up. We, we read this and we, I preached on this. Listen to these words again, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So hearing God's word, sharp hearing, is, is agreeing with God's word toward us. Let his word move in such a way that it judges your motivations, that it divides soul and spirit and joint and marrow. Instead, dull hearing, there's not a reception of God's word about Jesus and his work for you and me. We don't receive it. He's saying, receive God's word. Let it come into you. Slow down. Think about God's word. Ask him to bring more thoughts concerning our motivations and Jesus. We're dull. In, in reading this, commentaries uh, all say the same thing. Basically, it says that there's two aims for every Christian. One is that you receive from God, and the second is that you are useful in passing that on to someone else, right? And I think sometimes we get so stuck on uh, bringing God's truth into us 
that we forget to bring it out to someone else. We forget to turn and be helpful for someone else. Uh, spiritual sloth not only prevents practical progress in the Christian's life, but it produces retrogression. It's not that they had lost absolutely their knowledge of divine truth in the book of Hebrews. They had failed to lay it to heart, and they had failed to live in the power of it. This is what we can do. I, I, I feel this. I do this. Like, think of the amount of content that you bring in. Think of the amount of sermons, the amount of Bible reading that you do, and then compare that to the amount of teaching that you go out and do, or evangelism that you go out and do. And if there's like a huge uh, difference between those two, God might be saying, hey, it's time for you to walk in this a little bit more maturely, and more maturely is to teach it to other people, to turn and help other people. People that are more mature, people that have sharp hearing, teach it to other people. God wants to swap desires here. It's not all about us just taking in, taking in, taking in. It's about us desiring to raise up disciples. So I find it interesting that he says, um, "For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. Um, when you teach something, you have to really prepare, right? Learning doesn't happen from skimming through a book or remembering enough to pass a test. Information is learned when you can explain it and then use that in a wide variety of situations. We must make these things our own, and then we're able to teach them. When you teach, you need to prepare and learn your subject really well. You need to understand it in order to effectively communicate it in order to answer questions, in order to inspire, in order to pass it on to someone else, you need to know your subject very well. And one of the best ways to know it is to teach it. And I'm quoting teachers everywhere, right? This is what they are saying. If you want to be able to teach something, you need to know it. And those that are dull of hearing, they don't want to know it. They don't have that view, that goal of being able to teach it to someone else. Now I can hear... Some of your minds going right now, somebody here is quoting James 3.1, which is not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with stricter harshness. And I know that that's what you're thinking. But when you read that chapter, you got one verse that says you might not be, you shouldn't be a teacher because you're going to be strict, uh, judged more strictly, more harshly. But when you compare that with the rest of the entire uh, passage, the entire chapter, you've got one verse that talks about that, and you've got 17 verses that talk about controlling the tongue. So my question to you is, do you hear God moving you toward controlling your tongue? That's the real basis of that chapter. That's the real question in that chapter. And it might be true for you because the rest of that chapter is dealing with how difficult it is to control the tongue, but do you hear God saying, speak the truth in love? Don't gossip and slander, but speak the truth in love. Have mercy, have peace, have good fruits, check out truth, teach others to do the same. If you hear God doing that, then you're probably on this line toward maturity, right? Because he says we should be teaching these things. Deuteronomy 6 says this, and this is more specifically toward fathers and bringing the gospel to their kids. You shall teach them diligently to your children 
shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. See, people who hear clearly, people who have sharp hearing, they know that they should bring this to someone else. They know making disciples is of the utmost importance and teaching them, right? Think of the most mature person that you can think of. They're, they've been walking with Jesus. They're mature. Like, just think of some of the things that they, they have around them. They're generous. They're filled with peace. They are, they're not easily angered. They're, they're quick to answer, but they do it with gentleness. They move in such a way that they're able to answer your questions and help, and they listen to you, right? Like, they're mature, and they love, and they move, and they help. That's what he wants for this church in the book of Hebrews. Another thing that happens when we have sharp hearing is we start to seek constantly to discern good and evil. Um, Acts 17.1 talks about this group of people called the Bereans. They were Jewish people, and listen to the, the description of the Bereans. These Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all eagerness. That's mature. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Do you go home from church after a, a hearing a sermon and after spending time with us and, and sit down with your Bible and be like, is this true? Is this actually so? Like, do you read God's word and, and his love toward you and actually say, man, this is crazy. He loves me. He is perfect. He has all the rights in the entire universe to strike me down because I'm not, but he loves me and he cares for me. He redeems me. Do you eagerly desire to hear the voice of God when making decisions to discern what's, what's good, what's the best thing, what's not the thing that I need to do? Do you just eagerly desire to do that? And lastly, when we have sharp hearing, we build on the elemental things of Jesus. Like, we need to have the elemental things of Jesus. We need to have these questions answered. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Is talking about the Bible, and is talking about taking God's word in and believing it since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, those who have had their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ Go on to maturity. Here's how. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. I hear lots of people say, man, am I really saved? If you are like me, when I was a kid, I probably prayed to receive Jesus several times, and I didn't really become a believer until I was like 21 years old, right? And it's just like constantly having these, these check-in things of like, man, am I really saved? Am I really saved? He's saying, no, that's, that's what children do. They, they lay again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Uh, Romans says it this way, say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and then you will be saved. It's done, right? And then you move on from that. You build on from that. Secondly, the, the elementals of our faith are that Christ came into this world to save sinners. Like, do you know that? Do you believe that? That his salvation is perfect and complete, 
leaving nothing for us to add to it. Do you believe that? Or do you have dead works that you need to add to Jesus' work? Or that the only fitness he requires from sinners is the Spirit's discovery to them of their need of him, right? Moving ahead, moving on, saying, yes, my, my salvation is secure. That is elemental. It is basic, and I need to believe that, yes, but you build on it. And then move ahead and instruct other people and teach other people. He also talks about instructions about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. Like these are basic kind of tenets of Christianity. Uh, when you die, what happens? Well, you go to be with God, right? Some would argue, well, you soul sleep for a while. Some would say, no, in the moment that you die, that you go and be with God. Like there's different opinions about that. If you're caught up in all of these different opinions and trying to figure this stuff out, it's going to keep you from teaching others. It's going to keep you from having this uh, hope of resurrection of your body from Jesus that he will raise you on the last day, and then it will cause you to have dullness of hearing, right? So I'm not saying don't um, don't be convinced of these things, but you want to be convinced of these things so much so that you move on and you're able to teach other people. The, the question is, am I Jesus's or am I not, right? When it comes to judgment, Jesus, every, the Bible says every knee will bow before Jesus. So we will either bow before him as our savior or we will bow before him as our judge, right? Um, am I his or am I not? Um, so we need to leave the elementary doctrine of Jesus and go on to maturity, not laying a foundation again and again. And this last sentence is probably one of the most starking sentences. And this we will do if God permits, right? We believe in God's sovereignty around here. We believe in his power to move and to save other people. But what happens, it seems like, is we say, well, if God permits for me to grow, then I will grow. And that's true. That's scripture. But what happens is we say, well, God hasn't caused me to grow, so I'm not going to strive. I'm not going to lay these things beside and move on toward maturity, right? Because God hasn't moved in my heart. But this is where the hearing comes in, and it's so important. That's dullness of hearing. Like The assumption is, is that God is either um, causing you to grow or he's not causing you to grow. And, but the dullness of hearing like, makes everything really confounded because if God is saying, hey, Glenn, I want for you to grow in the area of evangelism, which is almost exactly what he said to me a couple of years ago. And I'm like, oh, I have fear of man. I don't want to look stupid in front of people. I don't, what if I don't know what to say, right? And he's like, no, I want you to grow in the area of evangelism. Like, it was sharp hearing for that moment. He gave me the ability to hear him. And then he has laid the path for me to do this. So I'm praying with people that are in public that I don't know. And I'm evangelizing people that I don't know. And um, I'm not doing it perfectly, but compared to where I was a few years ago, there's maturity there, right? And all of that to say is that dullness of hearing like closes in and it's like, oh, 
God hasn't given me um, an evangelistic opportunity yet. Well, he wanted to work on my heart. He wanted to work on my ability to um, not fear man and then go out and speak um, and, and then teach other people how to do this. This is how he does. He, the Bible says that the Spirit guides and speaks and leads and teaches. And the assumption is, is that he is forever. He is eternal so he is always guiding, he's always leading, he's always speaking, right? But we have dullness of hearing. You have been supernaturally prepared to grow. You have spiritual teeth. God says that he has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. I find it in interesting that it says solid food in here, but a lot of people equate that with steak, which I am not opposed to at all. Um, to quote Ron Swanson, if it doesn't have meat, it's simply a snack. Um, and we're not talking about fish meat either. Fish meat is practically a vegetable, but we can talk about that later. But you have been supernaturally prepared to grow, to move on to maturity. You have spiritual teeth. You have spiritual digestive capabilities. You have spiritual abilities to grow and mature and to teach others from this maturity if God permits. And we need to hear from God. So the question is, what is God speaking to you about? Like, just say the thing. Like, he wants you to grow in fill in the blank, right? My assumption here is that he is always speaking because he is. My assumption is, is that he is uh, giving the author of Hebrews the ability to say, hey, lay the, the essentials, the, the elementary stuff down and move on toward maturity. What's the next thing that God wants you to grow in? Some of you are making plans to grow in certain areas because you've heard his voice. Some of you have been significantly convicted in this idea that you've been wallowing around in the elemental parts of Christ and doctrine of Christ and that part of your growth in this area is to walk others through this, even if you have doubts, even if you have fears and unbelief. Some of you here want to grow more. You want to be more dependent on Christ. That comes from him leading you to want to grow more. Some of you recognize your increased powerlessness and you're walking toward increased dependence on him. Some of you see that God keeps unraveling you to find your weaknesses to find your dependencies that are outside of him, and you find yourself inviting him in to finish this work that he started. Some of you are convinced that worshiping God has a lot to do with passing your faith on to others that will pass it on to others who will then pass it on to others. And when you look at Jesus, you see how he has led up to this point. Sharpened hearing leads toward maturity. And Jesus, although he was his son, we just read this last week, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Like Jesus moved through this, this part of growth. Jesus did it perfectly. Um, we can talk about that Jesus is sinless and he had a unique nature in his experience that he alone can fully relate to every struggle that we face because not only is he fully man, he's fully God, and that he performed those priestly duties, and he did it perfectly, but 
this is such curious language that he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus is the infinite son of God who experienced um, finite limits of time and space as every human does. God the Father could have created a fully grown adult in Jesus, but he didn't. He had him grow in his humanity. In the same way, God could have created fully mature believers in you and me, but instead he creates us to grow. Jesus left heaven. He entered time and space. He lived under a death sentence for the forgiveness of sins. He experienced ordinary human life from birth to adulthood and death. As fully God, he learned nothing because he knows everything, but in his humanity, he chose the weak position of learning and growing and obeying his father. And Jesus always obeyed his father. During his life, Jesus entirely fulfilled the will of the father. How? John 8, 28 Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but I speak just as the Father taught me. Jesus heard his Father's voice and then spoke and then acted. This is how we mature. We hear the Father's voice and then we act and then we teach, right? He perfectly heard his Father and grew in maturity. Um, I think an illustration of the way that Jesus perfectly did this, when I look at this, I, I can never really plumb the depths of it, that um, both Mark and Luke really talk about Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And we know, looking back, that this is the moment in time in Jesus' existence when the wrath of God was put into a cup and that Jesus was going to drink this cup of the wrath of God to bring glory to his Father and to bring us into eternal life with him and eternal relationship with him. And Je Jesus says, it is enough, the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. And as we're watching this, his, the onlookers, uh, the, the ones who wrote the Gospels, they see the things that, that Jesus said. He said this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of wrath from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is, I cannot plumb the depths of that. And then you think about it from the Father's standpoint. Three times, Jesus is in agonizing pain, sweating drops of blood. And he goes to his Father and he says, Father, if there's any way for me to go through this without going through this, I would, I would really like for that to happen. It's going to be painful. It's going to be drinking his father's wrath. And instead he says, but not my will, yours be done. That's maturity. That's leaving the elementals. And that's moving on to maturity. And as a father, this is almost abhorrent. If I hear one of my girls cry in pain, I viscerally react. And three times Jesus went to his father. Three times he went and said, if it's possible to take this from me. And yet he didn't. For our sake, the father stayed turned away. Turned away from Jesus so that he'll never turn away from you and I. 
It says that during this time, Jesus was exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death, according to Matthew 26. An unfathomable depth of anguish and sorrow that's on Jesus. But look at this. At his worst moment of existence, where the cup of God's wrath is being poured out onto him, he pressed into maturity. He distinguished good from evil. God, you have your will. That's what I want to follow. That's good. I distinguish that in the midst of incredible pain he did that. My will? No, no, no. Your will, Father, is profoundly good. And he poured himself out to do the will of the Father. Another place of maturity that we see in Jesus in Luke 24 Again, at this point in his existence and being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly. That's maturity. I, I don't get what I want after a 10-second prayer and I bolt. Jesus prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. Again, going to the earlier part of this chapter in the book of Hebrews, in the day of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And Jesus was heard because of his reverence. So flip that. Jesus heard very clearly from his father, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. We read that earlier last week that um, God has made him a son, right? He heard God's voice but in his agony and his maturity, God heard his voice. Jesus was heard from his father because of his reverence. This is perfect maturity. And this is the maturity that you and I can jump on the back of, be a part of. Because of his great maturity, his great movement and humility toward the father's will, you can move toward maturity. It's just how it works. We're in Christ, we get power. We're in him, we get strength. If the Lord permits this. And I bring that up because my question is, has God been revealing to you places where you can grow? He might be permitting this. Is God bringing into your mind, even right now, places where you're like, yeah, he's probably been bringing this up again and again, and I haven't been listening, I'm dull of hearing he might be permitting it right now. Has he been changing your desires? Can you feel his drawing to change your desires? Has he been repeating themes to you again and again? Has he been bringing things up in your prayer times? Has he been drawing you to maturity? Then he might be permitting this. Ask him, Lord, what is your will in this? What are you doing in this? What area of desires do I have that are not lining up with you and your perfect will. Tell me where you want me to go from being immature, drinking milk, to pressing on to maturity, eating solid food, being transformed by you. This is what we do. If God permits, he might be permitting. He's leading. He's guiding. Um, I'm going to have our response teams come up right now. And hopefully we can have a few minutes to really ask these questions of God. I know we're a body of believers, but we're also individuals within this body. 
And what I want for you to, to do is to go to your Savior and ask him, where is it that you want me to grow? What areas of desires do you want me to submit to you? They're not lining up with you. And we're also going to take communion. And as we're taking communion, I really want for you to think about what Jesus did and how his maturity led him to this place where he did this to give us joy, but also to glorify his Father. And as I said, if we are in Christ, we get from that. It doesn't come back to us without power. So as we're taking communion, just remember his work for you and remember his, uh, his love for you and his power and his ability to keep God's will perfectly. And also, we've talked a lot about prophetic words uh, over the last year or so in um, Redeemer. And if you feel like God is saying uh, something to you, you're hearing his voice, and you think it's for the entire body, uh, we've kind of switched it up a little bit. We would like for you to submit that to us so that maybe, uh, and by us I mean the PT, so that maybe next week we might be able to have you come up and share that. We want to give time to slow down and, um, and walk, walk through this with you to see if you're hearing from God and how you're hearing from God. So we want for you guys, uh, we want for God to use us to speak to each other in this way. So again, if you have some sort of uh, a word that you feel is for the church, just write it down, submit it to us, and we'll be able to walk through that together with you. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue um, singing. We're going to continue with communion, and hopefully continue hearing sharply God's word over us. So let's pray. Father, help us to discern right now how you are leading, if you are leading, if you are permitting, causing us to grow more toward maturity, and if so, Lord, how? So right now, Lord, would you send your spirit who interfaces with our spirit on such a deep level, motivations, soul and spirit. Lord, would you speak to us Glenn, this is, I love you, you're my child, but this is where I want you to grow. This is what I want to talk about. For all of us here, I love you, you're my child, you're in Christ. The elemental things, they're solid, you're solid. I got you, but I want you to grow, and here's where. So Lord, please do that for us, in your kindness and in your mercy. In Jesus' name. Amen.